Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mitch. Man, I love your pastor so much. It has been a gift to be able to be bros with him for 10 years, and it is a gift to be here with y'all this morning. Um, I remember when Pastor Mitch was starting Redeemer, and he reached out and said, hey, we're, we're launching a church, a new church, to reach new people in a city that's rapidly growing, and we're going to do it by reaching people with the good news, by serving the city, by making an impact, by showing that this city needs a church that, that loves the Lord and that loves them. And so how about just the reality of this, that, man, we get to come to a church that loves the Lord. We get to be a part of a great church and a great part of this city. And it's led by you, Pastor Mitch. And so we love you very much. I love Cam. Cam's holding babies and hanging out down the back uh, with all of our wonderful families. I love this church cares about families. I love this church cares about, about every person, whether you're coming through the doors and, uh, and you are a person that's been in church for a while or you're brand new. This is a church for you. And it's a lot because of your leadership, Pastor Mitch, and your care and your love. And so we love you. Just by a show of hands, how many of you have in the past, let's say five and a half years since this church has been here, has been impacted in some way by, by this church, by the ministry of this church? Maybe it's helped you find the Lord. Maybe it's helped you take a next step in kids ministry. And so the reality is this, that all of us were able to come to this church. Now, this is a special church, not just because it's led by special people, but it's a special church because you're here and God's created us to be in community. He's called us to not do life alone. He's called us to not just wander through life aimlessly trying to figure out what to do. God's called us to be a part of a church, and this is a great local church. Hey, I'm excited to be able to teach today, and I'm looking forward to being able to spend some time in God's Word with you. And I'm also just really excited to be able to wrap up our series. We're in a series right now, whether you're watching online right now or you're you're here in person. We're in in a series that we're finishing today, and it is entitled Jesus Loves the Church. Jesus Loves His Church. I was in the back with Pastor Mitch, and I said, all right, Pastor Mitch, why does Jesus love, love the church? Why is that? And just very quickly, he, he said it best. He said, well, Jesus loves the church because Jesus is love. Jesus is love. I mean, he is love. If, if you want to find definitions, Jesus. And Jesus loves the church because he died for us. It means he loves you. He loves each one of you in this room. He has a plan and purpose for each one of you. Each one of you has something specific that God has made, that God has, that God has worked, and he wants you to steward that gift. God loves you so much. So why does God love the church? Because number one, God's love. Number two, God made the church. And then what Pastor Mitch said, I love this. He goes, the church is it's plan A. There is no plan B to help people find and follow Jesus. Like the church, the church is important to the kingdom. And, uh, and that means that you're important to God. And so today, as we look at the Bible and look to what it has to say, my hope is that it will encourage you. Again, I love this church. I love being here today. I love that we get to partner together. Water's Edge is a family of churches that is around the world, led by local indigenous leaders like Pastor Mitch, that are reaching people just like us in this community. Uh, Water's Edge is is a family. And so what we do for family, a healthy family loves each other, a healthy family takes care of each other, a healthy family prays for each other, has great conversations, a healthy family uh, goes on vacation together and does things together. Healthy family does a lot of stuff together. And so we like to think that Water's Edge is that family. And it's an opportunity for us as pastors and ministry leaders to come together to be able to celebrate. And what's amazing is this, that here in Redeemer in Tampa, we're able to celebrate what God's doing around the world because we're all part of a family. We're able to see God move in such powerful ways, whether it's in Kingston, Jamaica or Kiev, Ukraine. When someone gives their life to the Lord, 
in one of our locations we all get to celebrate. That's why I love what Pastor Mitch said, that there's been over 40 people that have made decisions to follow, find and follow Jesus here at Redeemer. We celebrate that. We think that's a huge win because we are all in this together. And so Water's Edge, it is specific because it comes from the Bible. It's not just uh, uh, an idea of, well, you know, Redeemer City, it's in Tampa. It must be by the water. So we're going to call it Water's Edge. No, it's, I want to clear that up, make it clear that the Water's Edge is actually from a passage in scripture um, where Joshua was called by God to take the Israelites over flood stage, crazy rapids of the Jordan River. And he looked at God and said, God, how am I going to do this? You know, a lot of these people, this is like the Travis translation, a lot of these people, they don't know how to swim. Like, how are we going to cross like this crazy, roaring, raging river? I don't know how we're going to do it. And God just said, hey, just take the step. Just get to the water's edge. Take the step. And see what I'll do. And I think that's powerful for all of us in this room. That could be a message for all of us to take, to take home today of what is that step that God's calling you to take in your life, in your marriage, in your journey? What is that step of faith that God's calling you to step into even this week in your job, in your family? And so we just believe that that's the name because God's calling us to take these steps of faith both personally but also organizationally and also as a church. We want to take steps together. And so I am grateful that we get to spend some time together talking about Water's Edge, but I'm even more grateful I get to spend some time talking today about why it's so important to seek the presence of God. Do you have your Bibles this morning? Do you have your Bibles? We're going to be in, in, a, in a really, really cool passage of scripture in 1 Samuel. So before we even get there, because 1 Samuel is in the Old Testament of the Bible, um, I do want to just say that I love, one of the reasons I love this church is because I love what this church stands for. I think as we close out this series and we talk about the importance of of understanding why Jesus loves his church, it's important for us to understand that he loves his church because he values the church. And so when you talk about things in life that are important to you or significant, uh, it's because there's things in life that you value, things that are important to you. And so at this church, I love that we're clear in our values. I love that we're bold in our values. I love this church stands behind its values, that we are committed to loving God, sharing good news, in serving the city, loving God, sharing good news, and serving the city. And I just love that that is the heartbeat of, of, of really who we are as Redeemer. And because of that, because of our values, it helps us to recognize that seeking God's presence is really more important than anything else in our lives. Seeking God's presence is more than anything else in our lives. And so I want to take us to a passage in Scripture in, in 1 Samuel. But before that, I've got a question for y'all. I want to know, how was y'all's week this week? How was y'all's week? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 best week ever. You can do this online as well if you're, if you're watching online or on YouTube. Or even later this week, you can type it in. How has your week been? Scale of 1 to 10, 10 best week ever, 1 worst week ever. Okay, And, and I, if you could just look at the person next to you and show them. Where, where are we at? This is a, a group participation. Kind of show the person next to you. Show the person next to you. Where are we at? All right, all right, online, where are we at? It, that's it? Okay, I'm seeing, I'm seeing some sixes. I'm seeing some threes, seeing some tens. That's awesome. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture where, where we see that David, before David was king, was having like a negative three kind of a week. Before that, let me tell you why I had a week of a six. It's moving, it's moving month for the Ray family. So we moved from, from like one part of our town to another part of town. As Pastor Mitch said, I am from, I am from Michigan. I live in Michigan now. I'm not really from Michigan, but I'm, I say I'm from Michigan. And, uh, and so we moved. How many of y'all moved in the past like few years? Any movers here? Movers? There's a, a lot of you. It is not HGTV. Oh my, oh my. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of things that break, a lot of things that don't go right. 
Um, though day before I, I, I came to, to Tampa, you know, I got word that the, the furnace is broken. I'm like, the fur- if some of you have never lived in a cold place. A furnace is something that heats your house. Just saying, I was going to leave that there. The furnace is broken. I'm like, okay, well, it's going to be, you know, that's a lot. So there's, when you move, there's a lot of things that take place. I also have a six-year-old and a seven-month-old, and so we're moving with little kids. It's complicated. And we're also, we're also doing a really cool thing. It's called a multifamily living. So my parents, who actually were a part of Redeemer, love this church, moved up to Michigan. A lot of people are like, why would you move to Michigan when you live in Florida? It's beautiful here. But they wanted to move up for a community. And so that also makes things a little bit wild this month. You know, multifamily living. If, you're multi, if you do multifamily living, I want to talk to you afterwards. I, I, need, I need advice. I need help. Mom, Dad, you're probably watching right now. I love you. And so um, it's been a wild month. It's been a wild month. I think even um, even the past couple of days, just traveling here, super excited to be here. Um, just driving through I four and two seventy five corridor. You know what I'm talking about? Like all kinds of lanes. And I was and I was driving. There was a person tailgating me late last night. I got in late last night, and I was driving to the hotel. And, and there's someone tailgating me. I'm, I'm like looking. I'm like, why is this person? Have any of you all been tailgated before? Okay, maybe it's just me. So I'm driving. I'm getting tailgated. I'm looking through the back window. And, and you know what's 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 hard when you're getting tailgated is that you're driving, you're like, well, you know, why is this person? And then I look ahead, and i got to, like, slam on my brakes because there's people, like, right in front of me, like, ah, oh, you know, so I'm trying to figure out how to drive. And, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm speaking about seeking God's presence in my life and, and serving the Lord. I'm like, I've got to be, oh, Lord, this must be a test or something. And so uh, what, I, what I just thought about, even just worshiping here from glory to glory, I feel like a lot of my life, when things are not going well, when I'm not seeking God's presence, is because I'm looking too much in the rearview mirror. Of my life. I'm looking too much behind me. I'm looking back at the things that have taken place in my life, looking too far, too far back, or just the things that are, that are right behind me. The rear view mirror is smaller in our cars because our windshield is what we should be looking through way more than our rear view mirror. And so maybe I'm just here on assignment today to tell you that whatever God has in store for you, whatever you're going through, maybe today's the day as you walk out the doors of Redeemer that, hey, let's focus on what's ahead. Let's focus on what God has in front of us because what's in front of us is even more important than what's behind us. What God has in front of you today, what God is leading you towards today, it's going to be hard to do that if we keep looking back. We actually might get in a wreck, right? We actually might hit, hit things and it might get weird. And so just want to encourage you today. Maybe that's, the, that's what you need to hear as a couple, as a young adult, as someone that's been here for a while, that God has something special in front of you. Let's be the church that looks forward more than the church that looks behind. Let's be the church that looks more ahead of what God has for us than, than the things that are going on in the past. The past are important. We want to learn from the things we've done. But if we focus on that, we might not see God's best ahead. And so what I want to show us today is a passage in Scripture where, uh, where David, this is David before he was king, was having a, like, a negative three kind of a week. Hopefully I've given you enough time to see um, where the passage is, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Negative, negative three kind of a week. I was thinking, I was like, well, if I was in David's shoes, is this like a scale of one to ten? It doesn't even make the list. This is like a negative three kind of week. And so I do want to take you to a place in the Bible where David was having a bad week. And I believe that this passage in Scripture helps us and reminds us that seeking God's presence is critical for us. So important. And today I really want to just unpack that with you. Um, I want to make sure that I can spend time today showing you in God's word what does it actually look like for us as people to seek God's presence. I could probably spend two hours, but I've got 20 minutes, and so we're just going to get after it. If you're with me, say, "Uh uh-huh. Okay, we're together. I love that. So 1 Samuel chapter 30. And uh, today I I want to title our message, title our time, is Running on Presence. 
running on presence, following Jesus in finding direction, running on presence. So I, I believe that for a car to run well, it needs the right type of gasoline. For a phone to run well, for phone to run well, it needs the right type of software. For our bodies to run well, we need the right type of food. For our week to run well, we need the right type of community. For our souls to run well, for our souls to run well, we need the right type of presence. My daughter, she's six. I see some young kids in the room. I love seeing kids in worship. My, I told my daughter when I was driving um, to to the airport yesterday on on FaceTime. She's like, "Daddy, what are you talking about?" And I said, "I'm talking about." The presence of God. And she said, what presence? As in like a gift. And so I was like, no, not present, but presence. Like seeking God's presence. And she's like, am I going to have a gift? I'm like, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about presence. I'm talking about, pre-. just watch Harper. Maybe she's watching as well, my little six-year-old. Running on presence. And so we need to seek God's presence. First Samuel chapter 30, starting in verse 1. And I believe that this can be a powerful passage that helps us. This morning as we close out our series. So David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. That means they walked roughly 50 miles in three days. That seems like a lot to me. Maybe for some of you that's like, you know, a day jog. But they they spent 50 miles in three days. And it says this, that now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziglag. They had attacked Ziglag and burned it. And had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Verse 3 says this, when David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So I'm just going to just pause there. We're going to see what, what David and his men did in verse 4. But I'm going to just say, like, how, that's a bad day, right? I mean, if some of us in the room are like, maybe we had like a, a one or two kind of a week. Like, this is like a bad week. I mean, could you imagine all of us going home and our homes were burned down and all of our families were taken? That's a bad, that's, a, that's, that's some bad stuff. Like, that's, that's, that's tragic. And so we can see that this is a tragic moment and a tragic experience. Verse 4 says this, so David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives have been captured, Anohem of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. But verse 6, look at this. And David was greatly distressed. I would have been distressed as well because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But look at this. I've underlined it. I've bolded it. And it says this. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And so I just want to pause for a moment as leaders in the room. Those leaders in the room. Some of you are, are leaders at home, leaders at work, leaders in ministry. You know, we've heard this axiom before. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And when you're a leader, sometimes everyone is going to be looking to you to make the final call. And unfortunately, sometimes you also get the blame as well. Like, well, it's because it was because your fault. We, you know, we should have walked faster. We should have done it in two days. If we would have done two days and not three days, we could have gotten back. We could have saved everybody. It's your fault because you're the leader. And so I just want to encourage you, leaders in the room. I believe most of the, us in this room would probably consider ourselves leaders in some way, in some capacity. I mean, leaders in the room, it's important for us to recognize that God's given us an ability to lead somewhere. And so we have to steward that leadership. We have to see in this passage how David responded. So look what, look what David did. It says this, but David found strength in the Lord his God. If I was in this place, I would have probably made an excuse. It was like, it's, it's, it's Travis's fault. We're, we ran late. It's Travis's fault. We, we should have walked faster. We should have cut it 
corners. We should have done something. It's traps. I'd be like, hey, listen, guys, time out. Like, let's not, let's stop, put the rocks down. Let's not stone anybody. Like, let's just take it a break. Let's take it easy for a moment. Let's go kill the people that did all this to our family. Who's with me? Let's go. Like, let's, let's go. Like, who, y'all look very angry. Take the, take this, take the stones with you. Let's go stone the people who did this. Let's go. My, that would be my first response. What would be your first response? What is your first response when you're going through difficulty? When you're going through heartache, when you're going through loss, when you're going through a disappointing week or devastating week, what is that first response? The first response really tells us a lot about, about where we find our, our presence in life, where we can find that. And so check this out. This is what it says in verse 7. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Amilehek, bring me the ephod. We're going to talk about the ephod in a little bit. Don't we forget. Don't forget to talk about the ephod. It's very important. The ephod. Abiathar bought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? The Lord says, Pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. So if you keep reading, we don't have time to read the whole passage. I encourage you to read it. It's a powerful story. We, we see that God seeks God's presence, has that posture of, Lord, like, I want to trust you. I want to, I want to follow you. I want to do what you want me to do, God. I want, you, I want you to show me what I need to do. And God says, do it. So then he said, yes. David said, yes, we're going to do it. And again, this is David before King David. This is just David pre-king. This is David just as a, a warrior, as a, as a leader. And so we can see that in this passage. Fast forward. Let me give you like the quick, the quick spoiler alert. Um, David takes his men. They go and they find the wives. They find the children. Um, and they, they defeat the army. And they bring them all back. And I think about that even this morning, and it just, maybe this just hit me this morning, just even thinking about this passage. They still brought them back to a place that was burned down, right? So even though God gave them victory and God gave them favor, they still brought the families back to a city that was burned. And so I maybe want to share that with you this morning, too, that maybe for some of you, you're looking for God's direction, and maybe God's giving you direction, but maybe it's not the perfect, the perfect picture that you would see. Maybe God's calling you to do something and take a step of faith even if that means that things won't be perfect. God's not calling us for that, right, church? God's calling us to be people that are on mission and that we're going to trust God even through trials, through difficulties, through hard times. And so I believe wholeheartedly today that in order for us to live a life to the fullest, we need to recognize that God's presence must matter in our lives. And I believe we can do that best by like maybe 100 ways, but here are two ways that I want to share today with you as a church. I believe that we can do this best making sure that God's presence matters in our life. Because we're his church. God loves us, and he wants to be on mission. It says this, we need to run on God's presence, and we need to run for a kingdom purpose. So we need to run on God's presence, and we also need to run with a kingdom purpose. And so I just really believe that during times of uncertainty, it really reveals who our provider is. When things are not going well, when things are, are troubled at home or in school or at work, it really reveals who is our provider, who is giving us our purpose, our encouragement. It really reveals also what do we value, because the things we value are probably things we're going to run to the quickest, the fastest in our lives. And so I just really believe that when we can lean into God's presence, it helps us daily recognize who our provider is. What is our provider? There's a lot of things in life that I love that don't love me back. Social media. I love social media. I can get on my phone and scroll. Any of the other ones that scroll as well? You can scroll. Social media, it doesn't love me back. Sometimes I like watching the news. The news don't love me back. 
spicy chicken sandwiches from Chick-fil-A? That don't love me back. There's a lot of things in life that, that I love, but they just don't love me back. And so maybe today, church family, this is the thing that we can be leaning into. There's a lot of things that we might say that we love and we spend our time doing, but they ain't going to love you back. They're not going to love you like the Lord loves you. They're not going to take care of you and give you that peace like the Lord gives you that peace. Social media, after I scroll on social media for 15 minutes, I don't put it down and be like, man, I have so much peace now. I have so much direction. I, I, I watch the news for 15 minutes. After the news, I don't, but I'm like, man, I just feel so much more intimate in my, in, my, in my walk with the Lord, with my family. Like things are so, it just feels so good. Yeah, it depresses you. And so there's reality is this, that social media, the news, all those things aren't bad. But if that's our provider, that's where we get our, our source of encouragement, we get our source of peace. Hopefully this is connecting with some of you in the room. If that's what we lean into, then it's going to give us a really weird outcome in our lives. An outcome that actually doesn't feel quite as fulfilled. It actually is an outcome that, that isn't as strong in our marriage, in our relationships. And so I just really believe that Satan knows that. I believe it. You guys know that too. Satan knows that everything that we do in life depends on our direct connection with God. So if our connection is, is, is strong and we're walking with the Spirit... If we are leaning into God's presence, if we're seeking God, the devil knows it's going to be hard to distract us, to intimidate us, and to cause us to stumble or turn a different direction. The devil knows that. So the devil's going to come hard at us. That's the reality. We see that. We see that in culture. We see that in society. We see that across the board, that the devil knows how to attack. He knows how to reach out. He knows what to do to cause us to stumble. And that's why it's so important for us to be committed and know that we can find our strength in the Lord. And so how do we seek God's presence? I want to just spend a few moments. Hopefully it's all right with y'all. Spend a few moments and I want to talk about what does it look like to seek God's presence? Very real, tangible ways. I could probably give you 15 points in this, but just for the sake of time, I'm just going to just talk about a couple. Because I believe a couple, if we can hold on to it, we can let that kind of marinate for a little while. We're going to be people that are even more on, more on fire, more running on presence now than when we just walked in here a little bit ago. So I want to share two principles for running on God's presence. Check out verses 7 and 8 again. Check out verses 7 and 8. I think this is important for us to see. How did David strengthen himself in the Lord? Verse, let's start at verse 6. It says this, greatly, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. So the first thing I'll say is this, that David knew God was with him. And he made it a point to go to God and seek his presence for strength. Like he did that very first. Like that was his, his first response. His first response. That's why I love our, one of our, our very first values is to love God. Our very first value at the church is to love God. Why? Because there's a lot of other things that we can love that don't love us back. David knew that as well. So David said, I want to love God. I want to seek his presence. You know, it's interesting. When, when we're sick, where do we go? To the doctor. When our home is falling apart, who do we call? The builder. When, when your car is making a really strange noise, you call your friend who's a mechanic. When, when you're having a bad day with a situation that might be too big for you to handle, where do we go? Where, where do we go? Where do I go? Where do you go? Seeking God's presence is so critical. Look at verse 7. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Amalekek, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, God answered. You will certainly overtake them 
and succeed in the rescue. The second thing I, I see in this passage is that David was running with a kingdom purpose. You know, it's interesting. The ephod was this really cool um, vest that the priests would put on that would have the 12 tribes of Israel on it. And this ephod was a direct symbol of going to the presence of God and seeking God for wisdom. And so it's amazing that not only the inward desire for David was to seek God's presence, but he also put the outward desire to seek God's presence. So he put on the ephod, got before the Lord, said, Lord, will I overtake them? Can we win? God said, yes, surely you will. It's because David had the right posture as well. He had that posture and really believing that the Holy Spirit would help him and guide him. You know, today, just think about that, that most of us, I don't think any of us in this room, own anything that looks like an ephod. If you do, I want to talk to you. That would be fascinating. But the ephod is, is, this, is this historical, scriptural, ancient Near East relic, something that's amazing that we can look back to. Because of what Jesus did for us, because he died on the cross, rose three days later, and then he sent the Holy Spirit not to hover over but to be in us, because of that amazing truth of what Jesus has done for us. And my hope this morning, listen, church, this is so key. If you're here this morning and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, that is the greatest decision. You cannot seek God's presence if you don't know God. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so we recognize that because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he rose, man, don't miss this. Because of that truth, that means that we get to ephod up. We get to ephod up and actually turn our beliefs into our behavior because of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, because of that, our ephod today, like our ephod, like our real ephod today, we don't own one, but if we were going to put one on, it really is clear that it is God's word, it's God's word in the Holy Spirit. We can walk with the Lord. We can put on the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit in us. And so I would just say that this is a key piece that I want to just put on the screen as well. That if you're here and you're like, can I take it deeper? How can I, how can I ephod up more in my relationships? What can I do to actually take that step? I would just say that you can actually ephod up by putting on the armor of God. You can also ephod up by seeking the fruit of the Spirit. If you have a phone or taking notes, check this out later this week with your family. Ephesians chapter 6. It talks about putting on the armor of God to actually be focused on serving the Lord and, and preparing yourself for the, for the attacks of, 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 of the devil so we can be prepared as a church, we can be prepared as, as believers. And so there's just two things that I would encourage us to look at. And I just believe this, that we should be more focused on ephoding up. It's a weird term, but the reality of we should be more focused on, on walking with the Spirit and walking in a way that honors God than... than cultural opinions or political views or social media posts. I believe as, as a church, Redeemer, we should be more focused on seeking God's presence, the kingdom, than anything else. And I think that's maybe the reason why we come here. Because we believe wholeheartedly the kingdom, that God's kingdom, of what the kingdom has for us and what's prepared for us, how God has created amazing, amazing community with us, the relationship with Jesus, that that that's something that's going to be way more life-giving, way more fulfilling than, healing, than hearing a political agenda or a social post or any of that. Because we believe that, that we as a church, man, we are called to be those people. That we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray more than we post. 
We're going to have people that are going to be that are going to be reading more about what God has in store for us than reading things that aren't going to fulfill us. And so that's why I believe it's key, and it's in it's, the reality is because because God has given us this kingdom purpose that we need to run into. Guys, a few more things that I want to share with you. And I, and I was thinking about this last week when I was preparing to be here with y'all. I was thinking about tw- ten years ago, ten and a half years ago, when my wife and I we got married. We had an amazing wedding in Pensacola. Florida. Shout out to any of you Pensacola people. What's up? And, um, and so Pensacola is a beautiful spot. I was a college young adult pastor there. We invited 300 people to the wedding and 450 people showed up. Still apologizing to uh, my in-laws for that. It was an amazing wedding and it was beautiful. Just had this really pretty wedding dress and I rented a really nice, you know, suit from, from the store down the road and, and it was a beautiful wedding. But we had to have a few moments in between the wedding and the reception. And so the person that had the car, his name was Tony, he said, hey, where do you guys want to go? We've got about 30 minutes to burn. You know, we're setting up for the reception. There's a lot more people here than we expected. So it means we have to get more chairs out. We've got to figure out how to get some more food here. Where do you want to go? And the, she, you know, he looked at my wife. She said, I want to get ice cream. <laughs> I want ice cream. And so we went to this really sketchy Dairy Queen in a gas station. <laughs> and uh, we pulled up there, and people were, were you know, eating ice cream. We got out of the car, and, uh, and we went to get ice cream. And I still remember this, this vividly. My wife and I were talking about this week, that we got out of the car, and people started taking pictures of us because they're like, wow, like this couple, they're all dressed up. They're in like a, you know, a, a little more dangerous part of town at, at, a, dairy, at a Dairy Queen, and you know, it's, it's nighttime. Why are they here? You know, and the reason is because my wife wanted ice cream. So we, we went and got ice cream. People were taking pictures. We got in the car and we got to the reception. And then from there, after the reception, I remember my wife looking at me. She's like, did you feel awkward at all that we went to get ice cream in our, in our wedding in our wedding here? I'm like, nah, not at all. It was legit. And the reason, don't miss this. The, the reason is because we weren't dressed for the ice cream. We were dressed for the wedding. I wasn't, I wasn't dressed all up in, my, in, my, in my, 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 my wedding best to go get ice cream at Dairy Queen. I was dressed because I just had an amazing wedding. And can I just say this, Redeemer, our values is what we can wear. Our values is what we can lean into. Our values help us see that God has a plan and purpose for our lives. And that if we lean into those values, it means we're not dressed for culture or for political agenda or opinions. We're dressed for the kingdom. We're dressed for, for what God has for us. So I mean, that's the motivation for us in this room. I'm not talking about what you're wearing on the outside. I'm talking specifically of what God has done on the inside. God has done amazing work in your life. It doesn't matter what you wear. I think Mitch would let any of us come in here as long as we have clothes on. Like we show up with like a shirt and, and pants on. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. It matters who is inside. And does that motivate you to live the life that God's called you to live? Is that the case? And so I do want to close this morning with reading Psalm 23. I believe Psalm 23 is, is about the very presence of God. And I believe that this is one thing that David knows above everything else, that, that it is God who is with him, that God is the one that gives him the presence to be able to see the bigger picture in his life. And so this is a, a psalm that many of us would know. Um, actually, I was, I was at the barbershop two weeks ago, and Psalm 23 was tattooed on the gentleman's head. It was amazing. I was like, I was staring at it. I'm going to talk to the person. I'm like, is that Psalm 23, sir? He says, yes, the whole thing. He said, how much did that hurt? And he said, way too much. I'm like, wow. 
And he's like, don't get one of those tattoos on your head. I'm like, I, I, I'm just, I, I don't even know if I can get one tattoo. I'm open. I'm open, to, I, I'm open to it. Pastor Mitch, I'm open to it. But I'm just saying, I, I'm off track. Okay, Psalm 23 is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. Again, this is David. The same David that had a negative three kind of week where everyone wanted to kill him and stone him because of what took place in Ziglag. Same David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Some of us in this room need a soul refresh today. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You note my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The decisions you make determine the direction you're going to take in life. Decisions we make determine the direction we're going to take. And I believe today this is an opportunity for us, Redeemer. It's an opportunity for us to say we want to be the church that is committed to making the right decisions so that we can see the great path that God has for us. The basis of our strength in this room is not on stuff, but it's on a Savior. The basis of the things in your life that you have, your life does not give you more value by the things that are a part of your net worth or the assets you have. Those are great things. They make your life a little bit more happy, a little more, more, but that is not the foundation that we build our, our house on. That's on the foundation that we build our souls on. That's not going to get us to heaven. might make things better here. That's a good thing, but it's not going to help us take the step to inherit the kingdom of God. Only Jesus can do that. And I just believe this. Let me finish with this, that I was thinking through this this morning and I was thinking, okay, based on what we see, based on what we see in God's word today from first Samuel, what, 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 does it tell us about God's values? What does it tell us about what God values? What does this passage tell us? This is it, that he values us seeking his presence. He values us seeking his presence over everything and having a real and dynamic relationship with him. That we are going to be a people that are committed to following that out. And I believe that if we are committed to that church, don't miss this, this is it. If we're committed to that, then we're going to love God and it's going to be our core. That when we can lead into God's presence in a kingdom purpose, we're going to love God. It's going to be our core. Not just of our church, but of us. That we're going to serve the city. It's going to be our heartbeat. We don't have to serve the city. We get to serve the city. And that the sharing the good news, our value of sharing good news, this is going to be our anthem. That we're going to champion this. Because everyone needs to hear the gospel. Everyone needs to hear the good news of what God's done in your life. God's done so much in your life. He's done so much. And if we're people that are going to be committed to dressing for the kingdom, not physically dressing, but spiritually dressing ourselves for the kingdom, then we're going to be people of light. We're going to be people of life. We're going to be people that are going to, that are going to fill this community and tell the community of what God has done. Hey, I'm going to have the team come up. And I, and I believe it would, be, it would be important for us to not just finish the message and then go out to brunch or go out to sporting events or go home and, and relax without having a moment to just reflect on what we just read about. If that's all right with you, I just encourage you to just take a moment, maybe put down the, the phone for a moment, maybe even close your, your book, close the notes down. And can you just take a few moments and just, and just think about what do you need to surrender in your life to live more in the presence of God? Just think about that for a moment. What is, the, what is that one thing that you need to surrender in your life 
What's that one thing that's going on in your home, your bed? What do you need to surrender in your life so that you can live more in the presence of God? Just think about that for one moment. Then from there, what is your life running on? For some of us in this room, and that's the, the foundation question. What are, what are the things in our life that are giving us hope and peace and comfort and fulfillment? Are those kingdom things or are those worldly cultural things? What is that for you? What are the things that we're allowing to run our life that we need to surrender this morning? So the first thing is this, just as we think. Before we leave, whether you're watching online right now, maybe you're watching it later this week or you're here in person, what do we need to surrender in our life to live more in the presence of God? What is that thing that you need to surrender today? And here's the best part. We believe Jesus died on a cross, rose from the grave, the King, the undefeated one. We know that when we pray, we ask, and we seek, He listens, and He's with us. That we don't have to think about it or wonder. We can know that when we seek the Lord and we ask for God's presence, Surrender the things. God listens. He receives. And he helps. So with that, the team's going to lead us in one final song. They're going to encourage us to stand in just a couple minutes. But don't waste the moment of asking the Lord, what do I, what do we need to surrender?